Hey, this is Rodney Gage. I'm the pastor of Rethink Life Church in Orlando, Florida, and this is our podcast. Thank you so much for checking it out today. I hope it encourages and inspires you to live with a new perspective, make better choices, and have a greater impact with your life. Here's today's message. Well, hey, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us today online here at Rethink Life Church. Hey, it's an honor to have you. Let me go ahead and encourage you to click those share buttons, especially if you're watching there on Facebook. And also, we are in week four of a series that we're calling Ignite. We're learning what it means to actually live a spirit-filled life. And if you happen to have missed any of the previous weeks, let me encourage you to go to our YouTube channel. You can watch on demand. You can also listen to our uh, messages through our Rethink Life Church podcast. And so those are available there on iTunes and Spotify as well. But today I want to conclude this series and I'm going to be sharing with you a message that I think is going to challenge your heart. And here's what we're talking about. We're talking about what it means to have the Holy Spirit's power available to our lives in order to be His witnesses. Now, before I really dive in and unpack this message today, I just want to ask you a question. Here's the question. The question is, the thought of sharing your faith, of being a witness to people in your sphere or or circle of influence, do you feel intimidated? Do you feel in some ways that maybe you are inadequate to do such a thing? Here's what I've learned. I've learned that many people, especially followers of Jesus, when they hear this challenge to be a witness, to share their faith with other people, all of a sudden that whole thought just seems to paralyze them with fear. And I think often the, 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 maybe the, the rationale for that is because we don't want to be viewed as kind of pushing something on somebody that they don't want, or maybe we're afraid of what somebody's going to say or think, or maybe we're just kind of paralyzed by the fear or the perception that we'll be labeled, you know, as this, you know, right ring, right ring conservative or, you know, whatever political label, you know, that somebody wants to put on us or being intolerant or insensitive, whatever code word is popular in our culture today. But at the end of the day, here's what I've come to realize, especially as believers in Jesus. Satan wants nothing more than to put seeds of doubt, seeds of fear in your mind and in your heart. In fact, Jesus said in John 10, 10, he said, our enemy, the great adversary, Satan, has come to steal, kill, and destroy. And there is nothing more than the enemy wants than for you to be neutralized and to be paralyzed by fear. But you know what the word fear stands for, don't you? It stands for false evidence appearing real. And here's what I've come to realize. Man, the enemy is going to work extra hard. He's going to do whatever he can to get you intimidated and to get you neutralized and paralyzed so that you won't be effective in making an eternal impact on the people around you. But you know what? God has called us. He's chosen us. He has commissioned us to share the greatest news the world has ever known. And that is the news that God loved you and me so much that He sent His one and only Son, Jesus, to die on a cross for the sins of humanity. 
And to not only die on a cross, but, to, but listen, to be placed into a tomb and ultimately come back to life three days later so that we could have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, so that we could be forgiven of our sin and so that we could live life here on earth with renewed purpose and meaning and fulfillment and have the eternal promise of heaven one day. Let me tell you something, that's the ultimate news. And if there was ever a time Man, that our world needed hope and needed that good news where people needed to the answer to maybe some of the setbacks and hurts and struggles and problems that they're facing in their life. Man, it is right now. And so with that, here's what Paul, the apostle, told young Timothy, his protege, who was feeling a lot of pressure who was feeling in many ways threatened and experiencing the early signs of persecution. He was intimidated, and as because he was intimidated, when Paul found out, here's what Paul told him. He said in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 7 and 8, he said, For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power and love and self-discipline. So never be ashamed to tell others about our Lord. I find it interesting that the Apostle Paul used three words in that, in that statement to young Timothy. He said the power, the power and love and self-discipline. Why did he use those three words? Number one, because he wanted he wanted young Timothy to not just be dependent upon you know, his own doing from the standpoint of what he was able to do on his own as far as in the natural, but instead to be supernaturally empowered by the Holy Spirit who lived and indwelled inside of him. And then he used the word love so that the motivation behind young Timothy's witness would be real and genuine and authentic. There would be a genuine love for the people that he was trying to reach. And then a self-discipline where once again, rather than being intimidated or maybe being paralyzed by fear, he was reminding young Timothy to be self-disciplined where he would walk in the spirit, being consciously aware of God's presence and being filled with God's presence in such a way where he would be emboldened to share his faith in the, in the place that God had placed him in. And so the same is true for you and me. God wants us to be empowered. He wants, to be, wants us to be motivated with a spirit of love and genuineness for those that we want to see come to, to know the Lord in their own personal lives. And God wants us to walk day by day, moment by moment, being controlled by the Holy Spirit so that we are self-disciplined and we are aware and sensitive to what God is doing around us and what God wants to accomplish in and through our lives. I love what God told King David. He reminded him in Psalm 62, verse 11. He said, "In all strength and power, all the strength and power that you need flows from me. And that's good news because, listen, if you know the Lord Jesus Christ, as we've been learning throughout this series, not only did God send Jesus into the world, but after Jesus finished his assignment and returned back to the Father, what did Jesus tell his disciples? He said, there's going to be someone else. God's going to send a helper and he's going to come and he's going to live and indwell inside of you. 
and his name is the Holy Spirit. And guess who the Holy Spirit is? The Holy Spirit is God. And guess where he lives? He lives inside of you. That simply means that the supernatural power of God not only lives in you, but wants to flow through you to accomplish things that you perhaps could never accomplish on your own. And so with that, God wants us to be unashamed. God wants us to be bold and courageous in our witness. So with that, what does God's supernatural power actually do for our lives, especially as believers? Well, there are a lot of things that God's supernatural power can do in and through our lives, but there are three specific things that I want to share with you. And the first is this, he gives us the power over sin. Aren't you thankful for that? That God gives us power over sin. I love what Romans chapter 8 verse 2 says. In fact, I would encourage you just to simply read Romans chapter 8. It's one of the game-changing chapters in the entire Bible. But in Romans chapter 8 verse 2, it says, Paul said these words, And because you belong to Him, the power of the life-giving Spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. I don't know about you. Man, man, isn't it awesome to know that as followers of Jesus Christ, that, listen, our sin has been paid for. It was paid in full through the finished work of the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. Aren't you thankful that he died for our sins, that he was buried and he came back to life and he sent his Holy Spirit to live and dwell inside of us? Aren't you thankful that, listen, we can literally have freedom from all of the guilt and shame from our yesterdays. I got good news. The good news is this, yesterday ended last night. Aren't you thankful for that? And aren't you thankful that tomorrow's pages are totally blank, which simply means that today we have a new beginning in Jesus Christ because the scripture tells us that God's mercies are fresh and new each and every day. That's what you call God's amazing grace. And he's done all of that because of his love for you so that we can have power over sin and live in victory and freedom each and every day of our lives. And so that's good news. And a lot of people that we know who maybe are trapped in that bondage, maybe they feel like they're a slave to their past, or maybe they are what they did as it relates to their past, they need to be reminded and encouraged because the good news is the fact because of what Jesus did for us and because of his resurrection, listen, we can have power over our past and power over our sin regardless of what anyone may be guilty of. So that's the first thing that God's supernatural power does in our lives. The second thing that God's supernatural power does is it gives us power to actually serve him. You know, we can all have the best of intentions to want to make a difference. But the reality is, is that most of us are very limited. Most of us may not have maybe the personality or may not have maybe the the big vision to accomplish big things or maybe, you know, do certain things that we feel like are or maybe worthy of, of getting God's attention or getting, you know, approval from God. But here is the bottom line. The bottom line is, is that there is not a single person on planet Earth who has 
all the qualifications necessary in order to serve God. You know why? Because God does not call the qualified. No, he qualifies the called. And the good news is, is that God's already called you. He's selected you. He has chosen you. And because he has called us to come in partnership with him, to be in co-mission with him, we have everything we need because of the Holy Spirit, God himself, who lives inside of us. So you may not think you're ready. You may not see yourself as qualified. You may allow the enemy, once again, to paralyze you with fear or put seeds of doubt in your mind and your heart because of your past. He's going to point, you know, his past, uh, your past, he's going to point all those failures and mistakes back at you and say, well, well, look what you did. Or if you, if you try to step up and serve the Lord in the church and you try to make a difference, people are going to remind you of your past or listen, you, you're, you're not even qualified to do something like that because you are disqualified because of the things that you've done. Here's the thing you need to understand. All you need is you need the power of God at work in and through your life. That's all God needs is just your availability. That's it. And let Him do through you what you are not able to do on your own. That's why Jesus said, apart from me, you can't do anything. Therefore, we got to stay connected with Him. we got to allow His Spirit to work in us and flow through us and that's exactly what the Apostle Paul was struggling with in his own life. He was talking about this thorn in his side and he couldn't, you know, he couldn't get over this area of weakness in his life. And we don't really know exactly what it was that was kind of holding the Apostle Paul back. But here's what God wanted to remind the Apostle Paul with. He said in 2 Corinthians 12 verses 9 and 12, excuse me, 9 through 10, he said, My grace, listen to this, is all you need. And he said, my power, I love this, works best in weakness. So whatever inferiority complex you have, whatever weakness you might have, whatever intimidation you might feel, whatever sense of inadequacy that maybe you are experiencing in your life, well, guess what? God wants to turn your pain into a platform. God wants to take whatever it is that you feel inadequate by, and God can actually take those weaknesses and use your weaknesses to become your greatest witness. So listen, it is by the grace of God and God's power works best even in our weaknesses. Listen, God has given you gifts. God wants you to use those gifts for His glory. He wants you to exercise those gifts. Some of you, listen, one of the best things you could do is to serve God by serving people and get involved in church. Listen, be a part of what we call our dream team because God wants to use you to be a witness. And one of the ways we can do that is to make ourselves available, to be His hands and His feet and His voice, His face. Listen, to be what people are needing in our world today so that we can shine brighter, we can love better, and we can help advance the purposes of God. But we have to allow the supernatural power of God to enable us and flow through us so that we can serve Him by serving other people. The third thing the power of God does in and through our lives is He gives us the power to share Jesus with other people. You know, in Jesus' final words, 
in Acts chapter 1, there to his disciples, his followers. And again, they had been following him for several years. They had been spending every waking moment with him. They had become dependent upon him. And so therefore, when Jesus announced that he was getting ready to leave and he was going to return and go back to the Father, here were his final words right before he ascended back into heaven. And he said in Acts 1.8, he said, but you should receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all of Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Isn't it incredible to simply understand, think about this for a moment, that when Jesus physically was here on this earth, he could only be at one place, one time with a, with a group of people to bring transformation to their lives. But when he came to the end of his mission, when he died on the cross and said, it is finished, his assignment was made complete. So therefore, what did he do? He went and returned back to the Father. But just like he said would happen, he said, someone is going to come and it's going to be your helper, your advocate, the Holy Spirit. And guess what? He said, when the Holy Spirit comes, he's going to live inside of you and he's going to empower you to be my witnesses. In other words, the Holy Spirit was going to pick up where Jesus left off so that we could multiply so that followers of Jesus Christ could spread the good news of Jesus Christ throughout the entire world and do so boldly and courageously. So what is a witness? It's interesting that the word witness is used 29 times alone in the book of Acts. And what is a witness? A witness is somebody who simply tells what they have seen and what they have heard. I don't know if you've ever maybe participated in a courtroom situation where you actually had to take the eyewitness stand, the witness stand, and the judge, you know, ask you the question. And the judge doesn't really want to know what your opinions are. He doesn't want to know what your ideas are. The only thing the judge wants to hear is what you know to be true. I never forget when uh, we had a robbery, a break-in in our old campus at our Conway location. We had a couple of guys who um, found their way in, in, into the back and they broke in. And, and uh, I'll never forget, I was home. Of course, it was in the, about 2.30 in the morning. I get the phone call from the police and I had to uh, make my way down to the uh, the location where our church was at the time at a strip mall, a shopping center. And, and sure, sure enough, because of the alarm that went off, one of the guys escaped. But one of the guys actually ran inside the building and he went and hid. And we searched and searched and searched. We spent probably a couple of hours. And, and after we cased the entire building, we couldn't find this person anywhere. But I'll never forget the sheriff told me, he said, I have a gut feeling he's in here, but I know this. He said, even if we lock everything up and reset the alarm, we'll know if he's in here because if he tries to leave, he's going to trip the alarm because of the motion detectors. Well, sure enough, about an hour and a half later, after we left and vacated the premises, the alarm went off again. And sure enough, you know what happened? That guy tried to escape. Well, he didn't know is that we got it all on camera. 
Well, the good news is, is they were able to capture the guy. And I'll never forget, they had him in handcuffs. He was in the, in the back of the squad car. And I actually talked to the guy. And here's what I said. I said, man, I said, what were you thinking? And it's the classic statement. You know what it was? He said, I'm so sorry. He said, I promise I didn't do anything. I'm like, yeah, right. We got it all over the camera. And I'll never forget, I had to go before a judge. And the judge wanted to know, what did you see? And what did you hear? And is this the truth? And you know, I just believe when it comes to our life and our witness, we don't have to worry about what other people say. We don't have to worry about what other people think. We don't have to worry about coming across being pushy or coming across being offensive. We don't have to worry and be threatened or feel intimidated or even be paralyzed by fear when it comes to sharing our faith. And here's the reason why. Because if you've put your faith in Jesus and He's changed you from the inside out, we can kind of be like what the, the, the blind man, the blind man Bartimaeus, when they asked him about who was this man who healed you and transformed your life? And this blind man, you know what his response was? His response is the same response that we need to have because all we can say is this, just like the blind man. He said, I don't know how to answer all your questions, but all I know is that I was blind, but now I can see. And when it comes to sharing your faith with maybe a, a coworker or a classmate or maybe even a family member, Maybe your neighbor, someone that you know, your circle of influence. Guess what? We don't have to try to be something we're not. We can simply engage in conversations. We can simply share our story in a way that simply helps people know. You know what? I don't understand it all. But all I know is that I was blind, but now I see. All I know is that I was lost, but now I am found. All I know is I was living without hope, without any purpose, without any meaning. But now I have new hope and new purpose and new meaning in my life. And that's what being a witness is. It's simply sharing the good news in a way that allows people to simply know, hey, this is what I've seen, this is what I've heard, and this is what I know to be true because of what Jesus has done in my own life. And God can do the rest. God can, listen, give you exactly what you need to accomplish what you could never, ever accomplish on your own. And so I want to share a couple of things with you as we wrap up our message today. And that is, how can you actually move forward and be an effective witness to people in your life? Well, the first thing is this. You need to ask God to give you a burden. That's it. You need to ask God to give you a burden because we cannot be an effective witness without having a burden for people. And what do I mean by burden? Well, the definition of the word burden is to carry the weight. It's to feel the weight of something. And you know, when you think about the lostness of humanity, when you think about how many people are spiritually and morally confused, you know, as we're um, listening to this message today, you know, there is a global crisis that is happening in, in Afghanistan, and we have uh, literally thousands of Americans. There are uh, innocent victims there who have been trapped 
And many, unfortunately, we've, there have been reports and, and witnesses of, of people who have been beheaded, who have been executed, people who have been skinned alive, people who have lost their lives because of the terrorists. And here's the thing, when we see this and we hear this, you know, those of us on this side of everything, on this part of the world, and we see the headline news and we hear and we watch and we see all that's unfolding, here's what it does. It weighs heavy on our hearts. We're burdened because we know that there is a, there is a timeline. The clock is ticking and there's a sense of urgency and we feel the weight and the responsibility because of the concern and the crisis, because of the danger that is happening in so many people's lives. Well, guess what? Just like people are trapped in Afghanistan and many feel like there's no hope and no way out or no relief, there are people literally all around the world who are spiritually lost and they're trapped in their sin and many are trapped in their guilt and their shame and they're feeling hopelessness because they don't know how to get out. Well, guess what? We have the hope and we have the answer. We have the way of escape and his name is Jesus Christ. And let me tell you something. I just believe that the only way that the burden can actually build up within our hearts when it comes for lost people is this. It has to be, listen, it has to be caught. It can't be taught. We have to catch a burden. We have to see through the eyes of Jesus. We have to feel what Jesus felt. We have to see from God's perspective a lost humanity that God sent His Son, Jesus, into the world to rescue and to save. In fact, in Luke chapter 19, verse 41, Jesus experienced this. The Bible says, when He approached Jerusalem for the final time, right before He was getting ready to go to a cross to be crucified, to die for the sins of the entire world, because of the weight that He was carrying, because of what he was feeling, because of the burden that he was feeling in his heart. It says in verse 41 in Luke 19, when Jesus caught sight of the city, the city of Jerusalem, he burst into tears with uncontrollable weeping over the city in which he had come to save. You see, Jesus was brokenhearted. And my question to you is this. Do you have a genuine concern do you feel the spiritual weight of the lostness of maybe a spouse or son or daughter or classmate or your school campus for that matter? Do you feel the weight and the burden of the lostness of humanity? Maybe a lost neighbor or a lost relative, someone who is destined to miss out on heaven and spend eternity in a Christless hell because they didn't know about the good news of Jesus, or they never made the commitment to put their faith and their trust in Him. Well, listen, God wants us to have a burden. He wants us to have a genuine concern. And I believe, if I were to be honest with you, one of the reasons why so many people, and I'm speaking to myself here, one of the reasons why so many of us find our eyes to be dry is because our hearts have grown dry. Now think about that for a moment. It might be the reason why we're 
lacking a genuine burden and a concern. It might be the reason why it doesn't necessarily bother us to see the lostness of humanity is because maybe God's not doing a fresh work in our own hearts. And you know, that's exactly the reason why we've been setting aside 21 days of prayer during the month of August. Because we've just been going to God every morning at 6 a.m. for 21 consecutive days saying, God, stir within us. God, we need your presence. God, we need your power. God, we need your peace. God, we, listen, God, we, we, need, we need you to work in and through our lives. God, help us to see what it is that you see. Help us to feel what it is that you feel. And so one of the reasons why we need to ask God to break our hearts is simply because, listen, God wants to use us to accomplish his purposes, to be his witnesses. Listen, if you still feel in many ways that your heart is dry, well, listen, come to our night of worship tonight at seven o'clock at Lake Nona High School, because we're just going to go into the presence of God and we're going to spend some time in prayer and worship. Not only that, man, we're going to be Listen, we're going to be starting a brand new series um, next week with a brand new service time. And why are we doing all of that? We are going to be learning how to love and to learn and ultimately live out the Word of God in our everyday lives in a new series that we're calling Rethink Your Bible. And listen, we're going to be learning how to be emboldened in our faith so that we can live out God's truths And we can share his hope and his love with people like never before. Listen, at the end of the day, we need revival in our nation. We need a spiritual awakening to take place in our lives, in our homes, our families, our marriages. Listen, listen, on our school campuses, in our communities. And that can only happen when we, as believers in Jesus Christ, have a genuine burden for those that Jesus came to die for. The second way that we can be effective when it comes to being his witnesses is to ask God, listen to this, to give us boldness. You know, what's interesting is that uh, the apostles Peter and John were told after they had healed this crippled man, and he was in his 40s when this man um, who had been seen each and every day as a beggar, but he was crippled. And when Peter and John healed him, they happened to heal him on the Sabbath. And of course, Peter and John were instantly uh, arrested. They were, they were thrown into jail. And the next morning, they were brought before all of the Sanhedrin and the decision makers. And, and they were, listen, these people warned. They told Peter and John, whatever you do, do not continue to share your propaganda. Quit telling people about this man, Jesus. And you know what they said? They said, we can't help but speak about what we have seen and what we have heard. And you know what the scripture says? The Bible says that those people, the Sanhedrin, had took notice that these men had been with Jesus. And they finally had to let them go. And when Peter and John went and joined the rest of the followers and the other disciples, they they called together a prayer meeting. And I love this. In Acts 4, verses 29 to 31, listen, when they were being threatened, when when people are pressing in and persecuting them, when you thought they would have ran for their lives out of fear, here's what they prayed. They said, now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. 
And after they prayed, the place where they were meeting, listen to this, was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke the word of God boldly. I love that. Listen, God wants to do the same in and through you. You may be shy. Listen, you may not have a type, the type of personality that's outgoing or maybe, you know, an extrovert. Maybe you see yourself as being an introvert. Well, let me tell you something. Being bold has nothing to do with personality. Being bold and courageous has everything to do with prayer. And when we ask God to embolden us, when we ask God to give us the courage, listen to this, God puts words in our mouths to say what needs to be said and to do what needs to be done in order to accomplish His will. And in Matthew 10, verse 29, excuse me, Matthew chapter 10, verse 20, here's what Jesus wanted to remind His disciples about the importance of counting the cost. He warned them up front. He said, guys, you just got to know that when you follow me, it's not going to be an easy road. But he promised them these, these words. He said in verse 20, he said, For it won't be you doing the talking. It will be the Spirit of your Father speaking through me. So I believe with all of my heart, I don't care if you're an introvert or an extrovert, it doesn't matter. When the Spirit of the living God lives in you, and you pray and you ask God to embolden you, embolden you and you simply become his witness to tell others about what you've seen and what you've heard and what you've experienced. Listen, it won't be you doing it. It'll be the power of the Holy Spirit doing it through you to impact the lives of those around you. And then the last thing that the Holy Spirit will do for our lives, and that is give us the power to be a bringer. Can I challenge you to do that? Ask God to help you be a bringer. You say, what, I'm, what do you mean be a bringer? You know what's interesting is that the two, one of the two first disciples of Jesus, one of them was uh, named Andrew. And the Bible says in Acts, excuse me, excuse me, I'm sorry, in John chapter 1, verses 41 and 42. The first thing that Andrew did, listen to this, after he found Jesus, first thing he did is he went and he found his brother Peter, Simon. And he told him, he said, I found the Messiah, that is the Christ, and I love these words. And it says, and he brought him to Jesus. You know what Andrew was? He was a bringer. He was bringing people to Jesus. And every time you see Andrew in the New Testament, he's only mentioned a couple of times, he's always bringing somebody to Jesus. And I think that's what we need to ask God to help us do is to bring people to Jesus. And one of the best ways to do that is just build those relationships. Invite people from work. Invite people from school. Invite people from your neighborhood. Just invite them to church. Did you know that Lifeway Research did a survey? And out of the thousands of people they surveyed, did you know what they discovered? That 82% of people living in, living in America today would be willing to go to church if somebody invited them. That means eight out of every 10 people that you invite to church will come simply because you cared enough to show interest in them and invite them to come with you. And I just want to encourage you, listen, ask God, 
maybe what you need to do is take a few moments today and just make a list. Maybe get a pen and a paper, go old school. Maybe type it in your phone, okay? But type a list, make up a list, write down a list of people that you know. Put their names down. People you work with, people you go to school with, people you, you live next door to, people in your family. Listen, put a list of people by name to the best of your understanding. You're not judging them, you're just putting a list of prospects or individuals that you are praying for, that you're burdened for, that you want to see come to know the Lord and maybe see come to church with you. And then ask God to give you the courage to pick up the phone, shoot them a text message, maybe uh, take them out for coffee. Maybe say, hey, won't you meet me and my family to church and let's go to lunch after church. And by the way, guess what? Next Sunday, we're actually changing our service time to 1030 and we're having a welcome party after church. And so we're going to have food and it's going to be an opportunity for you to invite your friends and they can be a part of a welcome party so that they can learn more about how to get connected to a family, a body of believers that they can actually call home. You see how powerful that is? It doesn't sound too intimidating. It's simply a matter of us being willing to let God's supernatural power that lives and dwells inside of us to flow through us so that we can be His witnesses to a lost and dying world. Would you join me in prayer? And as our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed, let me just say this. If you're a follower of Jesus and you know Him as your Savior, can I just encourage you today to do what I just shared? And that is to ask God. Ask God to give you a burden. Ask God to give you a renewed sense of boldness. And ask God to help you be a bringer. Ask God to put names on your heart. Ask God to give you a broken heart for those who desperately need Him. Maybe you're watching this today and maybe you've never put your faith in Jesus. Maybe in your mind you would be saying, well, my name's probably in somebody else's list. My, my name was, was on my mom's prayer list. She's been praying for me forever. Well, guess what? Maybe it's time to come home. Maybe it's time to allow God to answer your mom or your dad's heart, answer your mom or your dad's prayer because they've had a broken heart over you. And it's time today to put your faith and your, your trust in Jesus. Like the prodigal son, maybe it's time to come home and return back to the Father. And if that's your need today, would you be willing to pray this prayer? You can pray it in your heart. Just say something like this. Just say, Dear God, I confess to you that I am a sinner. I turn from my sin. And today I believe that Jesus died. He was buried and he came back to life. And today by faith, I'm inviting Jesus to be my Lord and my Savior. Thank you, Jesus, for saving my soul. Hey, if you prayed that prayer just then, would you do me a huge favor? If you're watching on our website, just click that I decided button or put those words I decided in the chat there wherever you're watching. We want to send you some information that we, uh, listen, we believe is going to be a great next step to start building on a strong, firm foundation in your spiritual life. Hey, listen, we love you. Thank you so much for being a part of this experience. And we can't wait for next week as we kick off a new message series that we believe is going to be a huge blessing to your life as we rethink the Bible and how it can transform our everyday lives. Until then, we'll see you next Sunday. 
Well, thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, be sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. And if you like what you're hearing, it would mean a great deal to us if you would consider rating it and even sharing it with your friends. You can click on the share button, take a screenshot, and share it on your social stories. And be sure to tag us at Rethink Life Church. To learn more about our church, check out RethinkLife.com. Until next time, hey, we love you and believe the best is yet to come in your life.